0: That couldn't have been better timing on that one. All right, hey, I am so glad you guys are back tonight. And tonight, what did we start talking about last night? Be one. What specifically? Yeah, be a disciple. We started talking about, hey, if you are going to decide to be one, if you're going to decide to be a disciple of Jesus, to ask Him to forgive you of your sin, put your faith and trust in Him, you need to understand what it looks like to be a disciple. And that's what we walked through last night in those first couple of verses in Matthew chapter 16. And tonight what we're going to talk about is what does it cost to be one? What does it cost to be a disciple? And as I was thinking about that, it got me wondering, there's some things out there in this world that cost a lot of money. Did y'all know that? So I did a little search because I wanted to know what some of the most expensive things in the world were. And I want to see if you guys can guess the cost of some of these items. So let's go ahead and throw that first thing up there. This is, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is called the Yacht History Supreme. Let me give you a little information. It says there's around 100,000 kilograms of precious metals like solid gold and platinum in this. The master bedroom itself is made up of a meteor rock. How much do you think that thing costs? The cost, you ready for this? $4.5 billion is what that cost. All right, how about the next one? Okay. This one, this is called the perfect pink. This is the most expensive jewel on the Asian subcontinent. How much do you think it costs? Million, that's a little high. All right, here we go. You ready? Are you ready? That one cost 23 million dollars. How about this one? I want to know how many of you would drive this. Do y'all know? Hey, do y'all know what kind of car that is? What's that? Who said it? Wait, wait, it's too loud. It's too loud. Y'all got to quiet down you gotta quiet down. Does anybody know what kind of car this is? No. It's not a Honda. What'd you say? It's a Bugatti. That's right. But 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 hey hey. We can't move forward if y'all keep talking. But it's not any regular Bugatti. Okay. This one goes from zero to 100 in 2.8 seconds. And there's a, there's a rapper by the name of Flo Rida who owns this. You want to know how much he paid for it? $10 million is how much he paid for that. Mr. Paul, can we turn this up just a little bit? All right, how about this one? That's an iPhone. Guess how much that one cost. Here we go. Listen, listen. Listen, this is by far the most expensive iPhone in the world, 75 flawless diamonds, four pink baguette diamonds that weigh two and a half carats each, and and it includes a hand-finished wallet that is made from a real ostrich foot. Somebody paid $2.9 million for that phone. That's stupid, right? All right, last one, last one. Can y'all guess? Can y'all guess where that parking lot is? Yes, it's in New York. This is in this is in downtown Manhattan, and one of those parking spots goes for a million dollars. One million dollars for a parking spot. Now listen, listen. Hey. Those prices are outrageous. They're ridiculous. But here's the catch. Somebody in this world decided that what those things cost was worth it. Because that's how much every one of those things actually sold for. Somebody said, I'm willing to pay that much for one of those things. And that's exactly what we're looking at tonight as we jump back into the book of Matthew. We talked about last night what it looks like to be one, to be a disciple. We talked about what that should look like in our lives. But the question that you have to decide, the question you have to answer is, are you willing to pay the cost? If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, are you willing to pay what it's going to cost you in your life or to be the person that God has called you to be? That's a question just like last night when I said, are you willing to be one? Only you can answer that question. What do you do with Jesus? Who do you say that he is? If you say he is Lord and Savior of your life, then there's a cost involved with that. So if you're going to say yes, you better know what that cost is and you better be willing to pay that cost because following Jesus is not an easy path. You need to understand that right here, right now. There are people who will tell you that if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, that God is going to bless your life and everything is going to be good and you will not have problems and you'll have everything that you need. And if you ask anybody that's been following Jesus for any amount of time and they'll tell you that's a bunch of junk. Because following Jesus has cost you. And that is exactly what we find as we jump back into Matthew chapter 16 tonight. We're going to walk through just four verses, Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 24. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open there. And let me let you in on a secret, we're going to be in Matthew 16 tomorrow as well. If you don't have one, Mr. Corey's got a stack of them in the back right there, those blue Bibles. And hey, let me say this to you. If you're here tonight and you don't have a Bible, when you leave tonight, take one of those with you. You can have it. That's what they're for. Take it that's yours and bring it back with you when we meet together. But Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. I want to ask you guys to stand with me as I read through those verses and you follow along. All right, here we go. Matthew 16, verse 21 says this. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed God, we thank you again. We thank you for who you are, and we thank you for your son, Jesus, God, that we can come together, that we can spend time worshiping you, God, and and understanding who you call us to be if we put our faith and trust in you as disciples, God, and and I pray that tonight as we walk through this, we'll understand what it's going to cost, and God, help us to make that decision if we're willing to pay that cost tonight. Help us to be different because we've been in your presence and in your words. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, go ahead and have a seat. So, The very first thing we see here, if you're taking notes in this passage, is that if you want to be one, if you want to be a disciple, being one will cost you your plans. Okay? It's going to cost some of the plans that you have for your life. Look at what happens here in that first verse again. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. So what's happening here is just yesterday when we walked through this passage, Jesus was talking to his disciples and he asked the disciples, hey, who does everybody say that I am? And they said, oh, people say you're a prophet. People say you're John the Baptist. People say you're Elijah. They gave all of these other popular answers. But then Jesus looked at the disciples and he said, who do you say that I am? And Peter confessed Jesus as the Christ, the son of God. And and, and Jesus says, that's great. Peter, you didn't figure this out on your own, but it's great because it's been revealed to you. You understand who I am. And it's right after this that this is happening. Jesus is teaching his disciples. In fact, this is the first time in Jesus' ministry that he directly talks to his disciples about what's going to happen to him. He's kind of referenced it vaguely before. This is the first time where scripture tells us he told them exactly where he was headed and what was going to happen. And it says he's on his way to Jerusalem. He's already on his way there, but he's explaining to his disciples why he has to go to Jerusalem. And he actually lists out four different things that he has to do. The first one is that he has to go to Jerusalem. They're already on the way there, okay? So we've got that set in motion. But then he says he's going to have to suffer And if you read on in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 27, 27 through 31, Scripture tells us that after Jesus is arrested, he's mocked, he's beaten, he's abused, all of those things. So he actually does suffer the way he says he's going to hear. Then it also says that he's going to be killed. Matthew chapter 27, verses 32 through 44, Scripture describes how Jesus lays down his life on the cross how they nail him to that wood and how he hangs there and how he dies. And then in Matthew 28, 1 through 10, he fulfills that last part where he says on the third day be raised because in that passage we see the resurrection of Jesus from the tomb and we see that happen through the power of God. See, what's amazing here is that everything Jesus lays out for the disciples in this one verse, if you follow through and look at the history of what actually happened, those things took place. Jesus wasn't just making up a great story trying to convince everybody he was who he says he was. He knows he's the Messiah. He knows what he's supposed to do. And Peter has also confessed that Jesus is the Messiah. He knows what Jesus is supposed to do. And yet, right here, we see that Peter doesn't fully understand the cost of what Jesus has said. Peter said, yes, you're, you're the Son of God. You're Jesus Christ. But Peter doesn't understand what that really means. Because in verse 22, look at Matthew 16, 22, And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Peter's correcting Jesus. He's saying, Jesus, you're wrong. Jesus, that's never going to happen to you. Now, in this time, in this culture, that was way out of line. Because Jesus and Peter, they've got this, this master, this teacher, discipleship relationship going on here. And, and as a disciple, you didn't call your teacher out in public. You didn't tell them they were wrong. It, it'd kind of be like, I, I'm guessing some of you would probably have a rough time if you corrected your parents in public, wouldn't you? Yeah, I I love how my own son goes, (laughs) yeah, you know how that works out. Because my guess is your parents are going to do one of two things. Either they're going to kind of ignore it in the moment and you're going to get it later. Or you're going to get it right then and there. Right then and there. And it doesn't go well either way. But that's exactly what Peter does right here. See, the problem is, guys, Peter doesn't understand the full cost of what he's saying. He's confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. We talked about that last night. To be a disciple, you've got to have a personal saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Know that he has forgiven you of your sin. You've put your faith and trust in him. You're following him with your life. Not what your parents have told you. Not what your Sunday school teacher has told you or the pastor has told you. It's your decision that you've made. And and Peter's made that decision, and and Peter confesses Christ as Lord, but he still doesn't have a full understanding of what that cost is. Because the popular opinion at that time was that the Messiah was going to come, and he was going to be a king. He was going to take over Roman rule, and he was going to get rid of Caesar, and he was going to rule the Jewish people. See, they didn't think he was going to come in as a guy who was going to give his life and die for his people. And that's the same mindset that Peter is still holding on to. And yet when we go all the way back to the Old Testament, we see in the Old Testament that there were predictions of exactly what Jesus was going to have to go through. And it's exactly what Jesus just said. There's two different passages we can read. Psalm 22:14 says this, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me, a company of evil doers encircle me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. That is a description of what we read in the gospel about Jesus' crucifixion. Yet that was written way before that happened. And there's another passage. It's in Isaiah 53, starting in verse 1. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no former majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Years and years and years before Jesus was ever born into humanity, what he was going to go through before and on the cross was already set in place. And, and, and Jesus tells the disciples, this is what's going to happen to me. And Peter pulls him aside and says, No that's never going to happen to you. Because even though Peter was a disciple, he didn't have a full understanding of what Jesus was doing and who he was. And and the implication here is that Peter thought he knew more about God's will than Jesus did. But let's stop for a second. How often do we take the same position as Peter? Peter. Where we think we know more about God's will than God does for us. Where, where we go through and, and we make plans for our lives. You plan where you want to go after you graduate, where you want to work, where you want to go to school, what you want to be one day, what you want your family to look like. And how often do you do that and you never stop and say, God, what's your plan for my life? How often do we make our plans and then on the back end we say, Hey God, this looks really good. Can you bless this? Instead of God, what am I supposed to do? God, where do you want me to be? Who do you want me to marry? What career do you want me to have? What is my next step according to you? Or how about this? When you know God is calling you to do something and you say, "Mm, God, I'm not sure I really want to do that. And we have a great phrase in the church for this. It's called, I'll pray about that. Yeah, there's some snickers, but you watch. Nine times out of ten, when somebody gives you that answer, what that really means is, I don't really want to do that. And yet, what if that's exactly what God's calling you to do? Peter had other plans for Jesus, but following Jesus was going to cost Peter his plans. What was in Peter's head is not what God had planned out. And the same thing is true for us right here and right now. If you're going to be one, if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, it's going to cost you your plans. Because you've got to be willing to submit your life and your plans to what God wants for you. But that's not the only thing it's going to cost you. If you keep reading in this passage, you need to understand that being one, it's going to cost you your pride look at the very next verse 23 but he turned to Peter but he turned and said to Peter get behind me Satan you are a hindrance to me for you are not setting your mind on the things of God but on the things of man see Peter again didn't fully understand the mission of Jesus but when he tells Jesus he's wrong Jesus he's, he's not having it Jesus calls Peter Satan he says you're in my way move. Get out of the way. Because Peter, again, he's got that mindset that so many Jewish people had. And what he's proposing to Jesus, you need to understand this, he is saying, Jesus, you should be king, but you shouldn't have to give anything up to be king. And and let's be real, Jesus shouldn't have to give anything up to be king because he already is Lord of all creation. But that's not what God's plan was. God's plan was that Jesus had to suffer. He had to die so that we could be forgiven of our sin. And and what he does here is is he calls Peter Satan because Peter actually does what Satan did with Jesus. There was a time before Jesus started his public ministry, he went out to the desert to be alone, and Satan actually came to him and tempted him. And listen to what Satan said to him, Matthew chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the keys world and all their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. He calls Peter Satan because Peter is doing exactly what Satan did. Peter is saying, Jesus, you should be king without the sacrifice. Because Satan said, hey, I'll make you king over everything. What Satan didn't understand is Jesus is already king over everything. But he's willing to pay the sacrifice. And, and because he speaks out without understanding what's going on, this is probably not a shining moment in the life of Peter. I'm willing to bet, I know I've got these experiences, you've probably got experiences in your own home where your parents got on to you for something, and I mean, they let you have it, and you don't want anybody else to ever know about that. Yeah, Some of y'all are thinking through this right now. This was not a shining moment in the life of Peter because he's called out by Jesus. But the thing is, Jesus sees who Peter is in this moment, but Jesus also sees the man that Peter is going to be. Right now, Peter's got his mind set on the wrong things. But down the road, Peter's going to be a man that helps build the early church. He's going to be a man, like we talked about last night, that is courageous and bold about sharing the gospel everywhere that he goes, and he cannot be stopped because he's living out his faith. But in that moment, Peter's pride was the last concern that Jesus had. Your pride and my pride is no different. Just like our plans, we often let our pride get in the way of us doing what Jesus wants us to do. We're prideful because we, we begin to worry because, you know what, if if I talk to that person at school that everybody doesn't talk to, people are going to think that I'm weird like they are and they're not going to talk to me. or Or if when people start joking and they start using foul language and they start joking about things that are inappropriate, and if I don't join in and joke and laugh with them, they're going to think I'm some kind of weirdo. And we worry because we think our pride is more important than what God's calling us to do. But if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you've got to be willing to lay down your pride because it's our pride that gets in the way of honoring God in those moments. And those moments come along if you're looking for them every single day. So it's going to cost you to cry. But if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, if you're going to be one, it's going to cost you one more thing. It's going to cost you your life. Look at what it says here in the last verse, 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now the cool thing is this is not the first time Jesus has said this. In Mark, or excuse me, Matthew 10, 38, he says, and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Jesus is using the cross here it's, it's a symbol, man, the cross is a symbol of one of the most excruciating ways to die that humanity has ever come up with. Because if you, if you don't understand what it means to say that Jesus died on a cross, this was a form of execution that they used for criminals. And that's what they treated Jesus as, was a criminal. So, after they take this big piece of wood, the part that they're going to nail his hands to, and he has to carry that piece of wood, after he's been beaten, so he's already weak, he's already bleeding, he has to carry that wood to the place where they're going to nail him to it. And they lay him down and they drive the nails through his arms. And they drive the nails through his feet. And then they take that cross and they set it upright. Now, I'm not a doctor, I don't have a lot of medical knowledge, but a little bit of research that I've done, it hurts. Let's just guess that, right? But it's not just the initial pain of that cross going up. The way your arms are nailed, is hard to get a breath. So to breathe, you have to pull and push yourself up to be able to fill your lungs. So there's pain in that. And after a while, that gets really painful. And you can't pull and push yourself up anymore. And your lungs start to fill with fluid. So basically, hanging in the air from across, you begin to drown. You begin to suffocate on the fluids in your own body. And a lot of times, that's what would kill somebody. And what they would do to check and what they did with Jesus to see if the criminal or whoever it was had died, they would would pierce them in the side. And Scripture tells us they did that to Jesus. And when they did that, that, that blood and other fluids came out. Water. And then what they would do is if the criminal still wasn't dead, they would actually break their legs so they couldn't push themselves up anymore. Jesus, they didn't have to break his legs Remember that Old Testament passage that says, I can count my bones? That's because they never broke his legs. Because that was a prediction of exactly what would happen with Jesus. See, Jesus had a full understanding of what was going to happen in his life. And he uses the cross as an example for us of what discipleship looks like. Of what it looks like to follow him every single day. You've got to be willing to take up that cross. Knowing what is coming. You know it's going to cost you everything. Because if you had to take up a cross. You were done for. There was you know getting out of it. And it was not going to be an easy death. It was going to hurt. Bad. Jesus says that's what it looks like to follow him. It may never cost you your physical life but it'll cost you everything that you want in life. Because if you're going to claim to be a disciple of Jesus, you've got to be willing to lay everything you have at the foot of His cross. If you're going to be one, it's going to cost you your life. So here's the question you need to answer tonight. Are you willing to pay the cost? Are you willing to give everything that you have to be one tonight and and you may be here tonight and as I talked about last night maybe there's a time that you've already understood that you're a sinner that you need to be forgiven of your sin and you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and yet you've not laid down your plans you've not laid down your pride, you've not taken up your cross daily, what in the world is stopping you and I ask that question genuinely, that's not a condemnation that's not me judging you what's stopping you? What is so important? What is so important in your life that you are willing to hold on to that instead of holding on to Christ and everything that means for your life? If you're here tonight and and that is your struggle and you've not given up everything the way this talks about, you say, you know what? I know I'm a disciple, but you've not given everything up. Maybe tonight's the night you need to. Maybe when we stand up in a minute, maybe when we start to sing, maybe you need to spend a moment on your knees at this altar, at these steps, talking to God and just give it to Him. Maybe you want somebody to pray with you about what that is. And you got some options there. You can go find one of these adults and talk to them, or you can write it on one of those orange cards that's in your seat and drop it in that basket, and somebody will pray for you. I've shown you guys before, I have a plastic tub in my office with every prayer card you've ever turned in on a Wednesday night. Because we're here with you. When we tell you it's going to cost you your plans and your pride and your life, you need to understand you're not doing that by yourself. We're here to walk alongside of you and encourage each other as we do this. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never been willing to pay the cost. I ask you the same question. What's stopping you? What's stopping you from saying, God, I'm a sinner and I can't forgive myself. God, I know that Jesus died on a cross to pay the penalty that Scripture says is owed for my sin. And I want to ask you to forgive me. I want to put my faith and trust in you and I want to follow you with the rest of my life. I want to take up my cross. If you're here tonight and you're ready to do that tonight, I'm going to tell you the same thing. When we pray, when we stand, when we start to sing, come talk to one of the adults in the room because we would love to help you do that. We would love to pray with you, to pray for you. But you need to understand It's a high price, but it's the best one you will ever pay. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus. And God, I pray right now, God, we see from your word that following you is going to cost us everything and that's so scary God I pray that you will help us to trust in you enough to know God that we can trust you and whatever we're willing to give up God we're putting it in the hands of you and your son Jesus who never failed God, when we give you our life, you hold it in your hands. God, I pray for every single person in this room right now. Anybody that's holding back. God, anybody that's holding on to something tighter than they're clinging to Jesus, God, I pray that you will give them the courage and the boldness right now just to let it.